Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Lord, we come to you. You are the one uh, that we look to. It's not anything special in our prayer. But we do believe you honor faith. And we do know that you invite us to a throne of grace that we might find mercy and help in our time of need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we've been working through the book of 1 Samuel and we're going to finish tonight. So if you take your Bible, 1 Samuel is what you want. Chapter 31 is the final chapter. It is the final chapter of the book and the final chapter of the king. That is King Saul. And King Saul is going to die in this chapter. It's going to be the death of the king. The king dies, but I want to say to you, the king lives. And I'm talking about another king. King Saul dies. King David, who would replace uh, Saul and be a man after God's own heart, be, of course, probably more godly than Saul. I think without a doubt we would say that. But David made his mistakes as well. And that, he died too, and David's tomb was known. The king dies, and the kings, you know, they're born, and the kings take the throne, and then the kings die. But there is a king, the king of kings and the lord of lords, who came on the scene. He was born on that starry night in Bethlehem when shepherds came to peer into the manger, manger, and he's king of kings and lord of lords. And even though he was crucified, he did not die, right? He rose from the dead. Yeah, he died for our sins. Uh, he paid that ransom price, but they were, death was not able to keep its grip on him. It was impossible for death to hold him because he's the archegos in Greek. He's the prince or author of life. And he said, destroy my body, this temple, and in three days I will raise it again. And the king lives, and he lives today, and he lives in my heart, and he lives in heaven, he lives in my heart through the Holy Spirit. He's reigning, uh, he tells me he's reigning on a throne of grace, right? He invites me to a throne, that's where he reigns, of grace, that I might find mercy and help in my time of need. He is my king, he is my God, he is my Savior. He's been foreshadowed in the book of 1 Samuel because we've seen that the book of 1 Samuel does cast a shadow of the ultimate anointed one. In the book we saw Saul anointed early on in the book. David gets anointed in the book. But the anointed one is Christos in Greek. It is a Christ. So whenever you hear the word Christ, that's what it means. It means the anointed one. Jesus, Christ is not his last name. Right? Jesus means Yahweh is salvation. Um, Joshua is the Hebrew form of Jesus. Or Yeshua, the Lord saves, Yahweh is salvation. Christ is Christos, or the Anointed One. So Jesus Christ is our Savior. He is the Anointed One, the Messiah, who takes away our sins. Uh, remember, Pilate said, so you're a king then? Jesus said, you say rightly, I'm a king. For this purpose I have been born. For this reason I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth 
hears my voice. He's the King of truth. He's the King of glory. He's the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He's pictured that way in Revelation 17 and 19. 1 Timothy 6. He dwells in unapproachable light. And he's going to come back and he's pictured coming back on a white horse being followed by the armies of heaven. And he is going to deal out uh, retribution to his enemies and he will sit on his throne and he will rule with a rod of iron and he will take his place as the ultimate king. That's what the future is pointing to. It's been a little bit foreshadowed through the book of 1 Samuel. And now we're going to see the death, death of the human king Saul. So much great promise in Saul's early life, head and shoulders above the rest, tall, handsome, uh, good-looking, capable, uh, endowed with the power of God. We saw early on in the book that Saul did experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And for a while, he did okay. But his biggest blunders came in the area of obedience. He just couldn't seem to follow God. He couldn't seem to follow God fully. He couldn't seem to trust God fully. And that's the difference between a strong Christian and a weak one. How much do you actually trust God? It's the difference between a strong godly leader and a weak ungodly leader. How much do you trust God? I just hung a picture in my office. It's a picture of George Washington at Valley Forge praying next to his horse. What makes a man a great leader is a man who knows that he has a greater leader. If you want to be a good leader, it depends on who you're following. Everybody follows somebody. And even if you don't think you're following somebody, you are. And if you want to be a good leader as a Christian, you need to follow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And He will make you what He wants you to be. Now, 1 Samuel 31.1, the Philistines were fighting against Israel. The table's been set for this for the last couple chapters. And the men of Israel, 1 Samuel 31.1, fled from before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. Now, we've been watching this kind of, uh, these rumblings taking place. We watched the Philistines begin to march. We saw David marching with them for a while. Then the questions came, what is he doing here? David took his men. They moved to the south. And there's some concurrent things going on. As David moves to the south, Saul is dealing with the Philistine armies in the north. And David came upon his town, his temporary town, and found it burned. Remember, that was Ziklag. And and found everybody was taken captive. And David was able... Uh, not without difficulty, to go and rescue those people. And while David is winning the battle against the Amalekites and those armies, Saul is going to lose the battle against the Philistines. So the two kings are in contrast before us. One is winning a victory, the man after God's own heart. The other man is losing the battle. He was told this was going to happen in 1 Samuel 28. Go back there for a second. 1 Samuel 28. You look at verse 17, you remember that Saul was nervous, he was wondering what to do. God was not speaking to him, and so he went to the medium at Endor. This is 1 Samuel 28, look at verse 17. And the Lord uh, has done accordingly as he spoke through me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand, Samuel speaking now, and given it to your neighbor, to David. As you did not obey the Lord, twenty-eight eighteen. 
and did not execute his fierce wrath on Amalek, so the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will also give over Israel along with you into the hands of the Philistines. This is a prophecy. Therefore, tomorrow you and your sons will be with me, says Samuel. Indeed, the Lord will give over the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Then Saul immediately fell full length upon the ground. He was very afraid because of the words of Samuel. This had been prophesied to Saul, and the night before his death, he saw the witch at Endor. She was technically a medium, someone who tried to consult spirits and things in nature to get a read on the future. Somebody asked me recently in a question, uh, does magic exist? Well, sometimes when you read occult literature and you try to study this stuff, and I would, I would caution you to be careful if you do, magic is spelled with a K at the end. And it speaks of like an occult or dark magic, not something like prestidigitation, which is technically just sleight of hand, somebody who can do card tricks and that kind of thing. But if there's any power that comes from a medium or any read that they get in your life, accurate information, it is not coming from God. God condemns that kind of behavior and He says, don't mess with those things. Well, that's what Saul had come to. In fact, Saul was responsible for getting all the mediums to leave the area. And then he got so desperate that he broke his own law. He went to this medium and the news that he got was not good. The news was, you're going to die tomorrow. The armies of Israel are going to be defeated and you and your sons are going to join me. You're going to be in the place of the dead. The men of Israel, 1 Samuel 31.1, they fled. I guess a good application point here is, are you fighting or are you fleeing? <laughs> you know, it's one thing I think you can flee from youthful lusts and all of that. I mean, that's a good application. Certainly flee from those things, but... I'm talking about when a battle needs to be fought, are you fighting or are you running away? Are you one of those people that's willing to go up to the front lines and say, here I am, send me? Or are you a person who flees at the first sign of trouble or persecution? It's time for us to get stronger, amen? And to be who we are in Jesus Christ. And, you know, this may be a weak rhyme, but they, they fled and they were dead. I mean, sometimes you think that fleeing is the safest place to, to be or what to do, but it's not really. There's no armor, if you've noticed, in the armor of God for your backside. So if you're running away, you might be in more trouble. Sometimes at the first sign of trouble, people tend to run. And sometimes that may be a pattern that people develop. I don't know if that's true of you, but that's not the way to live life. Because if you run from one thing, something else is bound to start chasing you next. So as much as you can, you need to face the battle, face the enemy. Of course, I know some of you saw the War Room movie. I've not seen it, but I know the, the idea of the premise, and it's that you fight the battle where? On your knees. You fight the battle in prayer. It's a spiritual battle that we face. And so 
a good application point is, are you fighting or fleeing? And of course, the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and they fell slain on Mount Gilboa. You can picture dead bodies everywhere. Mount Gilboa, by the way, is known as the Mount of the Bubbling Fountain. It's a chain of mountains in the territory of Issachar rising from the eastern edge of the plain of Estralon to the southern edge of the Valley of Jezreel. It's about seven miles west of Beit Shan and three miles southeast of Jezreel. There are people that look at the war scenes in 1 Samuel and say that maybe Mount Gilboa is the place where the uh, Israelite army has gone because the Philistines were known for having chariots, and chariots were not effective in mountain regions. And so it may be that um, they went up to the mountain regions for a better opportunity to deal with the Philistines. But the Philistines overtook, this is uh, 1 Samuel 31 2, they pressed hard after Saul and his sons. They were on the run like the other Israelites. And the Philistines sadly killed Jonathan and Abinadab and Shua, the sons of Saul. There's one other son of Saul that's not mentioned here. I, I don't know why, but um, his name, I believe, is Ishvi. And uh, then he's known in 2 Samuel as Ishbosheth. He's not here. We don't really know why. But the other sons are fighting, and the one that we know best is Jonathan. And Jonathan is now dead. And he's dead largely because of the decisions of his father. And I'll say this to you, and I think you all know this, but leaders have a great responsibility because their decisions are never made in a vacuum. And when Saul made poor decisions, it affected other people. And in this case, it affected Jonathan. And if you've studied uh, Jonathan's life, you know what a good man he was. I mean, he was brave, he was courageous, he was encouraging. He made a covenant with David, a covenant of friendship. Uh, he stepped aside, even though David technically threatened his own right to the throne. He knew David was supposed to be king. He questioned his father's integrity. He knew how his father was. He protected David at the risk of his own life. Over and over again, Jonathan proved to be faithful. But sadly, you know, obviously he still was sticking up for dad in some ways because he's on the battlefield with his father and Jonathan dies, and it's very sad. There's only a few times in 1 Samuel when you see the Israelites fleeing from the Philistines. You can see it when Goliath was threatening the armies of Israel, and they were all afraid of the, the big giant. Uh, the armies of Israel fled when uh, Eli was in leadership in 1 Samuel chapter 4, and that's when Eli was allowing his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, to mess around with ungodly things, even in the temple area. Remember, they were sleeping with women there. They were defiling everything, and God killed both of those sons. And the glory departed from Israel. Remember that? The ark was taken away by the Philistines. And when uh, Eli heard of it, he was a heavy dude, ate too many maple bars, apparently. <laughs> and he heard of it, and he fell off his seat, remember, and he broke his neck, and the father and two sons died. And this is almost like there's a interesting parallel between that death of the father and sons and now what happens to Saul. And uh, leadership, as I mentioned, is, is something that is very important. Your decisions do affect other people. Numbers 33.1 talk about 
the journeys of the sons of Israel under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. Romans 12.8 says leadership is a spiritual gift. It says, He who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads should do so with diligence, he who shows mercy should do so with cheerfulness. Leadership, Romans 12.8, is a spiritual gift, but all spiritual gifts still need refinement. You may have a gift, you may be a good teacher, that doesn't mean you don't need to work on teaching. You may have a gift as a leader, but it doesn't mean that you don't need to work on leading. David was a great leader, but God was shaping him through all the times when Saul was chasing him and he was teaching him things about himself and things that he needed to know going forward. You may be at that place right now. I will tell you this, I think that God uses every season of our life to shape us for something that's ahead of us, even through the trials and difficulties. Go to Acts 13. Acts 13 for a second. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts chapter 13. You look at verse 21. The Apostle Paul, I think he's still Saul at this time, is uh, teaching and preaching. This is Acts 13:21. He's recounting some history in Israel, and he says these words. This is Acts 13:21. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for Acts 13:21 for 40 years. That number 40 keeps coming up in our Bible. After he had removed him, God removed Saul, Acts 13.22. He raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do how much? All my will. If you want to be a man or a woman after God's own heart, there's the definition of it. A man or a woman after God's own heart does how much? All of his will. There's the definition right in the text. From the offspring of this man, that's David, according to the promise, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus. After John had proclaimed before his coming a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And from the line of David, back to 1 Samuel 31, comes the greater David, the Messiah Jesus. You remember the two blind men? They hear Jesus is passing. What do they say? Son of David, have mercy on us. Son of David. And you remember they're getting shushed by people? Shh, quiet. And they cried out all the louder. Son of David, have mercy. And Jesus approached. What do you want me to do for you? Well, Lord, isn't it obvious? <laughs> I want my sight. And the Lord touched them. And Jesus was called Son of David in his ministry. Even when he came in in the triumphal entry, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and they were calling him Son of David, Son of David, Son of David, the ultimate leader, Jesus Christ. Saul, not a great leader. Proverbs 29 says, A man who hardens his neck after much reproof will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. When, a, when the righteous increase, the people rejoice, but when a wicked man rules, people groan. This is Proverbs 29, 1-4. through 4. A man who loves wisdom makes his father glad, but he who keeps company with harlots wastes his wealth. The king gives stability to the land by justice, but a man who takes bribes overthrows it. Saul was reproved 
by Samuel, but he hardened his heart. And he hardened his heart. A wise man may get reproved, but you need to look at your heart. David said, Lord, look inside me. If there's any wicked way in me, then lead me in the everlasting way. A good leader is able to look at themselves, to look at their heart. It's not easy sometimes to look at yourself. It's easier to cast blame on others and say it's their problem. It's what's going on in their heart. You know, they really need to look at themselves. But sometimes when we're doing that, you've heard the old thing about the pointer, right? How many are pointing back at you? At least three, (laughs) right? That's kind of the way it works in the spiritual life. And so now David is going to begin to emerge, but before David emerges, uh, the death of the king. In 2 Samuel chapter 1, I want you to notice David's response to the death of Saul. Just a few pages to your right. 2 Samuel 1, verse 17. When David found out about the death of Saul... You could think, on one hand, he might be rejoicing. After all, how many problems did he have because of this guy? You know, he could have broken the song. You know, ding dong, the king is dead. (laughs) Or something like that. Sorry. Too many times watching that movie. But he didn't. In fact, he taught a lament. uh, Kind of a, it's, it's, it's now talked about as kind of a chant that he's saying in response to the news. This is 2 Samuel 1.17. Then David chanted with this lament over Saul and Jonathan his son. And he told them, to, the people, to teach the sons of Judah the song of the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher. The book of Jasher is equivalent to a hero book, uh, sometimes known in the Syriac version as the book of Canticles. It appears to be a book that recorded heroes and songs about heroes in this particular book. Notice what he says. Your beauty, verse 19, O Israel, is slain on your high places. How have the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice. Lest the daughters of the uncircumcised exult. 21. O mountains of Gilboa, let not dew or rain be on you, nor fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul, not anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, and the sword of Saul did not return empty. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and pleasant in their life, and in their death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you luxuriously in scarlet, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How have the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? Jonathan is slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was more wonderful than the love of women. This is... uh, Wonderful friendship, brotherly love that they had. How have the mighty fallen and the weapons of war perished? You know, uh, the Bible tells us, if you go back to 1 Samuel 31, that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And even though David could have struggled for good things to say about Saul, I want you to notice that in the song, he says, 
good things about Saul. He reminds people that Saul wasn't all bad and how we appreciate it when people don't just nitpick at our weaknesses, you know? How we appreciate it when sometimes we get sideways in a situation and, and we know we've been wrong and, and someone says, you know what? They treat us with grace instead of putting it in our face. Hi everybody, this is Cameron Thomas here, and I'm sitting here with Pastor Michael, and we're about to embark on a new adventure for Living Truth Radio. It's not going to replace the program that you're listening to right now, it's actually in addition to what you're listening to. So, Pastor Michael, what's this new adventure that we're embarking on? The new adventure is called The Bible Answer Show, Cameron, and it is a show to get questions from our listening audience and to give them answers. The tagline is, you've got questions... We've got answers. At least we hope to have all the answers, Cameron. And so it's a live interaction show, Q&A style. When can people listen to this new show? This show is going to be on from 12 to 1 Pacific time every Friday. So that's the time, 12 to 1 Pacific time on Fridays. And how can people access this? There's a number of ways to access it, Cameron. And the hub of it all is livingtruthradio.org. That's our website. And I'm hoping that our listening audience has already been there, livingtruthradio.org. And there they'll be able to find out all the different ways to interact with the Bible Answer Show. And the different vehicles are Facebook Live, live YouTube channel. We'll have podcasting where they can go back and listen to the show later. And they can even email questions to us at answers at livingtruthradio.org. That's answers at livingtruthradio.org. Awesome. So make sure you guys get those questions into us because otherwise we're trying to guess what questions you have and we're not mind readers. So get those questions into us so we can answer them for you on Fridays. Pastor Michael, anything? Last thoughts? Well, you're kind of the Facebook guy, Cameron, and I was thinking when people go to Facebook Live and they they have to like the Bible Answer Show, right? So tell them about how to like it and then how to get their questions. You have to go to facebook.com slash Bible Answer Show. There's no the, just Bible Answer Show. And you like the page, and if you follow us on Facebook Live on Fridays, you can actually ask your questions there. That's the only real live format that you can ask your questions. Otherwise, you have to email them in. And when they do that, they'll be able to interact with us live and get their questions answered right there on the spot. So that's it's going to be great, Cameron, and we're really excited. And hey, I just want to tell you guys... Keep us in prayer on the Bible Answer Show. We're adding this as a new show. We know you have questions, and you may have friends, family members have questions. They may live in other states or even another country. Tell them about the show. Keep us in prayer, and join us this Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Bible Answer Show. Can't wait to be with you guys. On behalf of Living Truth Radio and Pastor Michael Lance, blessings to you all. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.